Hey, this is Big Rev. Thanks for tuning in to Masterclass Theology, a weekly podcast where we study books of the Bible a verse at a time and apply it to our lives. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let's rock. Welcome to Masterclass Theology. I am Big Rev. I'm Professor D. I'm Crockpot. And we have the honor of continuing our little opening of 2023 series looking at favorite Bible characters or characters we wanted to study. Last week, I led the discussion through the character Naomi in the book of Ruth. And tonight, we have Professor D, who's going to be driving the train, and he'll be leading our time of discussion. He'll he'll let us know whoever we're going to study, and uh, we look forward to it. So let, let me open up a word of prayer, and I'll hand things over. God, thank you for this evening. We thank you for your word and for the for this opportunity we have to study it. I pray for uh, Professor D tonight as he leads us in our discussion. We thank you for all those listening in podcast land. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Professor D, the floor is yours. All right. Well, thank you, my friends. So tonight we're going to talk about Jonah, you know, and and I'm very excited about it. I know that at times it feels like Jonah gets talked about a lot. You know, it's, it's one of those stories that kids are oversaturated with in Sunday school. And yet there's so much more to this story than a big fish. And, you know, because this is such a cool study, we're not doing a, a, a as, as Joel brought up, we're not focusing on a book study. So we're not necessarily doing verse by verse as we always do, but we're basically doing a, a character sketch. So we're going to be doing a character sketch on, on Jonah and we're going to be gleaning stuff out of the life and person of, of Jonah and, and see what relates to us and, and and how it speaks to us as well um but before we get anything going before we even turn our page to the book of jonah i'm going to read really quickly from what i'm going to call you know in comic book land everybody wants to get oh what is this character's first appearance for instance uh and this one's kind of interesting because it has comic book connections and the movie connection when did boba fett first come on the scene mm. well you know what boba fett was introduced in the comic books so they introduced him in the comic books. And even now, there is a great debate on what is Boba Fett's first comic book appearance, because there was a magazine and then there was a comic book, you know, and it's really cool. And then Boba Fett also does come out in that one Christmas special. I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with that one Christmas special back in the day. We've forgotten it, Mick. Did you? Did you actually? I <laughs> actually thought you knew it like verbatim. Uh, he does. That, that's but the one we, we forget about that one, Mick. Yeah, Listeners anyway, should know that Joel is currently drinking from his Star Wars mug. Yeah. <laughs> you had me at Boba Fett, but the yeah, holiday there you go. So, you know, first appearances are, 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 are big. So I, I'm that kind of a nerd. And so I'm going to go into Jonah's first appearance in the Bible. You're going to give us the Marvel origin story? Yeah, something like that, you know? Amazing. So it's better than For the Jonah. DC dark ones, you know? Uh-huh. And I'm saying this is a DC fan. So anyways, it goes... Here we go. So it says uh, in, in 2 Kings 14, 23 to 25, for those of you guys who want to note that down for later. And I'm going to start in the middle of verse 23, where it says, Jeroboam, and this is Jeroboam II, the son of Joash, king of Israel, began to reign in Samaria. And he reigned 41 years. And he did, what, what does it say Jeroboam did? Let's pay attention here. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. That's key. So please pay attention because that, that, that's going to be key to understanding Jonah as well when we get to it. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin. He, Jeroboam, restored the border of Israel from Lebo Hamath as far as the Sea of 
Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet, who was from Gath Hefer. So there's a couple hundred things to go with this. Uh, and I'm going to start off with, with one of the things is we're, Jonah was a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel. So the northern kingdom of Israel, anybody that knows anything about the history of Israel knows that the northern kingdom was bad from start to finish. There was absolutely zero, no good king that came out of Israel. You know, there's a joke about nothing good comes out of out of Nazareth. We're, we're you know, well, you know, being that Nazareth is part of Israel. Well, nothing good came out of Israel during this period. Absolutely nothing. Zilch. So it would make no sense, you know, as I'm reading this, that the borders of Israel were expanded. So to me, when I'm reading this, it makes no sense for God to want to reward Israel. Even here in, in, in this immediate context, it, it goes on to say that Jeroboam and, and the northern kingdom of Israel did not depart from their sins in verse 24. And yet, for some goofy reason, God somehow sends word to Jonah to tell Jerry and company that the borders of Israel uh, were going to expand. And I'm like, so he tells Jonah this, and then through Amos, who's, who's basically a contemporary in dealing in the same region, he's giving a different message. Interestingly, Amos prophesies quite specifically that Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel must go into exile away from his land. And this is in Amos 7.11. So I'm thinking to myself, curiouser and curiouser. So, uh, Nick, what is that verse in Second Kings? Oh, Second Kings, we're dealing with chapter fourteen, verses uh, twenty-three through twenty-five. This is uh, the one that talks about the expanding border. Yeah, yeah, it's in uh, in there, and so he talks about in, in Amos that you know that, that basically Jeroboam's Jerry boy is going to be going to be, and, and at least the at the very least, this kind of makes what Jonah says somewhat suspect. You know, fun facts about Jonah really quick. Jonah's name happens to mean dove, which is kind of interesting is for any of us who are familiar with the story of Jonah. And his father's name actually means my truth. Now, with that said, now let's go to J Jonah itself, chapter one, and we're going to read the first three verses. So I'm going to allow a little bit of time there. So it's Jonah's chapter one, and we're going to read from the first three verses. And it goes like this. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out, out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went down into it to go with, with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. So one of the things I want to make sure is that we all understand this is the exact same Jonah that we talked about in 2 Kings chapter 14. Right there it says he's identified as Jonah, the son of Amittai. So we know by trade this Jonah is also a prophet because he was revealed. To, in other words, he's a man of God. Okay. The other thing we see is that God commands Jonah to, to what? To go to Nineveh, which incidentally is east of Israel. Okay. Um, for, if you had a map, you could see that, that Nineveh is east of Israel. So that's important to keep in mind because of what happens next. What, is, what does Jonah actually do? He heads down to Joppa, and instead of going getting a, a ride to, to Nineveh, he's actually hitching a ride the exact opposite direction toward the west, 
to Tarshish. But when you read Tarshish, okay, you said, yeah, it's okay, so he's going in the opposite direction. But I'm going to add a little bit more uh, salsa to these tacos here. What's going on is Tarshish happens to be the farthest place west you could have traveled at that time by sea. And that was that's the key. In other words, he's trying to go as far away from God as humanly possible from obeying him. So, you know, that, that's where the story is starting so far. Jonah is a disobedient prophet, okay? Again, in 2 Kings 14, he gives a, a, the prophecy from God to, to the wicked King Jerry and, and wicked Israel. And yet here we see him doing the 180 against God's instruction pro, uh, to proclaim God's wrath to Nineveh, the capital of Assyria. You guys got any questions so far? We are we uh, doing good here? I have a I have a question. Yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting that um, maybe it's not a question so much as just a, an observation. I think it's really interesting that Jonah's um, disobedience takes the form of I'm going to go so far as to go on a trip, as God has told me to do, but I'm just going to go in the opposite direction. Yeah. Rather than okay, he's clearly not interested in in performing the mission that God has commissioned him for. But what wouldn't the natural response if you're going to do that, if you're going to disobey God, wouldn't you just stay home? Like why does he why does he go to the trouble to actually take a trip? You know what do you, what do you think he's trying to accomplish by that? It I seems have silly. no idea, and I'll even I'll even add some more to that. I'm a cheapskate. Why would I even pay to do that? Totally. I could disobey God so at easy. home. I mean, you can disobey why God go at all home? The exactly. Way. Yep. Maybe he was thinking he could pull one over on God. Yeah. Like, I mean, like a reverse Psalm 139 where, you know, where can I go? Yeah. From your presence. Maybe you're thinking, well, I, God told me to sail here. So I'm just going to get on a boat and sail. Mm -hmm. And wherever I sail, God's going to be like, oh, he got on a boat. All right, we're good. Yeah. And right. God's not, God's not going to care anymore. Maybe he thinks God... Maybe he's thinking he's checking off enough boxes. Yeah. I mean, Crockpot, your question is great. I, I never thought about that before. But maybe he's thinking he can do just enough for God to be like, all right, you know, he gave it the college try or, you know, he's doing something there. Hey, he, mm -hmm. he's, he's trying, right? I mean, and, there, and there's something to be said about the point that is being made. And I think that that's one of the brilliant things about this book is it makes sure, especially if you were a first century reader, you know, or original uh, reader or listener to this, you're getting this and you're, you're understanding exactly what's going on. We had to do the work to find out that that was the farthest point West he could go, but they knew mm -hmm. like, Oh, he's going to Tarshish. We know what that means. Mm -hmm. So I think the part of it is, is, is the Holy spirit communicating just how bad this was, you know? So it's no brainer that his disobedience to God in part stems out of um, his hatred for Nineveh as we're going to see later. However, taking into account second Kings chapter 14, and how he gave a favorable prophecy to Jerry and, and Israel, which honestly, to me, seems a little bit out of place. While there is no doubt that he's a man of God, again, he's referred to as a prophet, you know, um, the, the real question to me is, is how honorable a man of God was he? I mean, obviously, he, he's clearly going the complete wrong direction, you know, geographically. And I think it's also a barometer for where he was spiritually, too. And yet, yeah, he did. He didn't see it. And, and I suspect that most of us are are very much like him a lot of times, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I think we do need to question how reliable Prophet Jonah was. And I think that's something that a lot of times when when we go through through the book, again, especially taking into account the second king part of it, which is something that that's kind of been new to my thinking. I never really thought about it. Why would you give a favorable prophecy to the northern kingdom? I mean, I know God is love and grace. 
But, you know, God, you know, I mean, here he, we're starting off with him giving a, a basically a bad prophecy to Nineveh. You know, I don't see why God would have given Israel a good prophecy. But the truth is, I don't know. Now, it says that he did, so he must have. But it's interesting that in light of that, you know, Amos comes later and gives a, a, a different type of prophecy. So, again, we, we have to question a lot of things. I think I think it, it presents Jonah as a very questionable character at the very least. Sure. I believe that what we're seeing here in Jonah is is really his, his true character in display. You know, and more than an overzealous, well-meaning Israelite, what I'm starting to see here is very is a very broken prophet who was anything but his namesake, which means dove, and and is is very partial to his own interests, and who who who's also very mean and, and hateful. And I, and I know that sounds harsh to say about a man of God, but this is what this man of God is showing by by his behavior. Mick, is there is there any prophecy spoken by Jonah? recorded in the book of Jonah? Uh, interestingly, other than, than, the, than what he, he mentions to the, the Ninevites later on in, in chapter sure. three, that Just, it's like a real short, Jonah. it's like a real short spiel, right? Of like, yeah, and it, and what not God wanted that, me to say to you. <laughs> you know, but even, even with Jonah, one of the weird things about Jonah is where the other prophet books with, with our prophecies too, this, this is the only one that's really more about a prophet than it is yeah. about the prophecy he's proclaiming. And that kind of seems consistent with what you're saying about he's not necessarily, I don't want to just say he, he's like um, a bad character or something, a bad Bible character, bad guy, you know, or, or that he should be condemned or something. But like he, he definitely is a person of, of dubious character. And it's just interesting that of all the, all the prophetic books, Jonah's book, he's another one of those prophets. And yet we don't really see him doing his job as a prophet yeah we don't even see him really like prophesying except for that one short little thing where he gets to Nineveh and just does what looks like the bare minimum of right. what was asked of him yeah big rev anything yeah I mean I, I'm, I'm still I mean what, what what one of the things you've maybe jump into my mind there is, is the the oddity of the book of Jonah where it's not saying this is a message to mm -hmm. to the Edomites or to uh, you know Judah or something like that. This is just a message, and yeah. we we learn that God's going to go after Nineveh. Yeah, but this is not. So it, it obviously is a message to Nineveh, but it really is a message more about the prophet. I mean, it's it's almost yeah. like if 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 centuries earlier the old the older brother of the prodigal son story got got a backstory or something. It's like that yeah. attitude that kind of has a weird attitude with God and it's like, God's going to purposely go after this Jonah character versus overtly going after a people group. Yeah. From the That's beginning. That's a really interesting point. I mean, it's, it's like the Ninevites are kind of incidental in this one. Yeah. It, I mean, they're it, obviously it, on God's heart. Cause that, that that's part of the yeah. reason why Jonah's taken off. Cause like, oh, I'm not going to go, you know, be like saying, go, go, go prophesy to the Taliban or something. Well, I'm not yeah. going over there, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, it's, it's yeah. It's, it's obviously they're, they're on, they're, they're, they're on the burner somewhere. I don't, they yeah. don't seem to be on the front burners, but the story seems to be more about God going after his prophet. Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's, that's fascinating. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, it is a very different uh, 
of the of the minor prophets. Now, obviously, because we're doing a character study, we're not going to read like it says book verse by verse. So I'm I'm going to give you a lot of readers' digest. If you're a reader who's not aware of the story of Jonah, I highly recommend that you read it. You will enjoy it, at least even on a just reading it level. It's only four chapters long, very easy light read, and um, you know, it's just very fun to read that story. I mean, and most of us are familiar with it. But for those who aren't, you know. It's never too late, and, and it's a great book to, to, to read and do. You know, you could do it in one sitting. So uh, I'll give the Reader's Digest a four through seven. So God sends a storm that threatens to destroy Gilligan and crew. Everyone is afraid. They desperately try to lighten the boat and, and do anything in the name of survival. They, they cry out to their pagan gods. Jonah's sleeping during all of this, <laughs> and he gets a rude wake-up call from the captain and, and is told to pray to his god. They cast lots, and it's determined that Jonah is somehow the epicenter of their predicament. And now we go to verses 8 through 10. So they, they ask him, tell us whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? Of what people are you? I'm surprised they didn't. They asked for his zodiac sign, but verse 9 goes on. And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is it? What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So one of the first things that I that, that strikes me about this particular passage is, is the irony. You know, here Jonah is when they ask him and he's he's confronted face front. So tell, so tell us about yourself. Tell us what's going on. Jonah immediately confesses that God, God is the creator of heaven, sea and land. And, and, and you know, and yet and yet he's trying to run away from the very God who is the God of the waters. He happens to be traveling on to head to another land of which God also happened to have created. I mean, are we getting a sense of stupid? Uh, we, we how stupid uh, we 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 become when we rebel against God? But but wait, there's more. These guys were were afraid for their lives, and, and the storm just kept getting worse. And in in almost in what almost seems like a Braveheart kind of moment, or or the ending of a a tale of two cities. You know, it's a far far better thing I do now than I have ever done kind of thing. In verse twelve, Jonah says to them, "Pick me up." and hurl me into the, the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it's because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. But but the thing here is with that is this. Is Jonah asking them to throw him over? And, and I have to ask, especially after some of these things that came to life, is he asking them to throw him over because all of a sudden he has a heart for pagan people? Or is it that because of his hatred is so much greater for the Ninevites and for God's command that he'd rather just die. In light of chapter four, that's a fair question. Spoilers. From, yeah, what, from what we're going to learn, I mean, I, I would say that question is fair, but, but to, to, to John's earlier question, I think this is Jonah prophecy. Mm. Toss me over and the sea is going to stop. There you go. I'm just saying <laughs> that, that, that's it's a small little prophecy, but you know that's the test of a prophet. If it comes true, it comes true. I'm just saying this is true. <laughs> this is true, and that's the thing with, with Jonah. Our prophecy come in nugget sizes. <laughs> totally. 
Yeah, so we get it. And and after a last proverbial try, because you know, to these guys' credit, they didn't want to throw him. You know, they they had this kind of they they had this kind of empathy towards him. They they didn't want to throw him over. They felt bad, you know. They had they had a guilt trip, you know. They tried to make it to safety. So the pagan crew interestingly turns to God and, and they say in verse 14, therefore they called out to the Lord, oh Lord. Let us not perish for this man's life and lay, lay not on us innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done it, done as it pleased you. And so they threw Jonah overboard. They feared the one true God. Now they offered him sacrifices and made vows. So, you know, when I'm looking at this, it looks like these guys actually came to some sort of salvation. And, and then God sent a fish who swallows Jonah. And against all odds, Jonah somehow manages to survive three days and three nights inside a fish. I mean, I'm thinking, what, what what's happening with the acids? I mean, the digestive process. Look, all I know is if God can create this the the heavens, the the land, and the waters, He can create a fish and somehow suspend the processes of digestion. I I, I don't know, but at that point, we've reached the end of chapter one. Anything else, you guys? That you guys have with that? Not at the moment. Not even about the pagans coming to Christ there, for, or at least to God, I mean? I mean, the, the chapter one of Jonah, just hearing you read it and not me reading it, so I, I just, I put on listener ears instead of teaching ears. I, I All I could hear was like the book of Esther and divine providence. It's yeah. like God just kept working through the, evident, the, the everyday event of, of Jonah's life. Yeah. Like the sea got worse and they tried yeah. this and then this happened. They drew straws. And they drew lots and the lot fell here. It's like, mm. it's just like Esther of all people got chosen and she alone pleased the king. It's like, it's all mm. these things that the divine yeah. providence, God working through yeah. all this. God is sovereign. Jonah chapter one is God's sovereign providence at work. And it's it's so much that the, these pagan polytheistic guys, I mean, they, they're they just like, what the heck? I mean, something, something has had to move here because- you get the straw, and you, so you got to figure this out. I mean, yeah. I mean, this is that's just what stood out to me with chapter one: hmm. this providence. Yeah, and, and I will say. Oh, yeah. go ahead, Mick. Go ahead. No, you're doing good. I will say, I uh, I love it when, I love it in the Bible when, when God kind of um, appropriates like these human contrived mm -hmm. uh, yeah things like casting lots. Like He's going to use that to be the means by which these people. Um, by which Jonah is outed basically. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes like, like I've talked to a lot of people who verses like this, like make them confused or uneasy. They're like, well, is it, is it, is the Bible saying that like, uh, you know, trying to do divination or something by, by casting lots or something like that, like it's saying that's okay because God used it. Yeah. Like, no, you're, you're missing the point. Like God doesn't care. He's just, he just, it was his plan that these guys would recognize that Jonah's the problem. Yeah. And if they're going to cast lots, he's like, great. That's how they're going to find out. Yeah. You know, he does that. That happens all over scripture where God right. kind of just adopts or borrows these human contrived things and uses them for his purposes, for his yeah. good purposes. I mean, that's what, that's what his covenant with Israel resembles the types of covenants that humans were doing at the time. His, Circumcision is a human contrivance that that God has adopted and used for His purposes. 
you mean to tell me, I mean, the list goes, goes on and on. You mean to tell me Samson didn't have magical hair? <laughs> no, that was different. He, did. he definitely that? did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, we need something to be the inspiration for R Rapunzel there, you know? <laughs> yeah. Funny. You know, otherwise, you know, what would we tell our little girls? Anyways, you know, <laughs> moving on to chapter two. So Jonah says this beautiful, poetic, very psalm-like kind of prayer and he's acknowledging to what you were, we were talking about earlier, Joel, God's sovereignty. So in verses one, and he does this, especially in verses one to three. So now in verses four through nine, we're not going to read this people. So um, do bear with us. We're trying to stay within a certain time budget here too, you know? So in through verses four through nine, we see Jonah willing to do a 180 in obedience towards God's command, which is essentially saying towards God himself. When you, when you obey God's word, when you obey God's command, you're obeying God. It, 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 it talks about you heading towards God. And, and it's very beautiful because uh, I'm going to read at least a few parts. Yet I shall look again upon your holy temple, verse 4. Yet you, God, brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. And that's in verse 6. And, and he finishes by saying salvation. And this is beautiful right here, guys. Salvation belongs to the Lord in verse 9. And by the time we get to verse 10, the Lord spoke to the fish, again, God using things, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. And I, I know that was a very quick rush version of, if we were doing a book study, we, we'd actually have gone more into it. But since we're doing more of a character sketch, we just kind of wanted to get the broad strokes about, you know, what has gone on here in Jonah. And one of the key things that, that we see here in Jonah is that Jonah... Jonah knows. Jonah knows who God is. Jonah understands God. And by the end of chapter two, we see God as a God of second chances. The hero in Jonah's prayer is not Jonah. It's God. God is the one that, that is the hero in that, in that beautiful poetry poem that he's there. It's nothing that Jonah could have done to save himself. It, it's completely dependent on God for God to deliver him. And it's hopeful and it's beautiful. Yeah. Any other things on that, guys, before we uh, move on, especially since I actually did a very broad stroke on chapter two? Yeah, that, that final verse there, verse nine, he's talking, he, he's he's speaking of hope. Yeah. Though he's on, on the bottom of the sea. Yeah. Inside of a gigantic sea monster and with no hope at all of anything. He's, he's praying like he's going to see the temple again. Yeah. He's praying like he's going to offer sacrifices again, and he and then he 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 gives a prequel to Revelation, chapter freaking seven. Salvation belongs to our God. Yeah, like they say this in the throne room and to the lambs. Like it's like yes, yeah, salvation belongs to Yahweh. It's like oh my goodness, he's yeah. speaking like a prophet at the last hour with mm -hmm. his last little bit of he thinks of breath. Yeah. And here he is finally doing the job he should and saying, you know what? I'm going to keep my vow now. I'm going to do all these things. I mean, I've heard of foxhole prayers, <laughs> but this is, I mean, he, he has so much hope here. Yeah. Where Salvation you comes from the Lord. Any, yeah. You wouldn't expect any hope here. Yeah. I'm going to see the temple. I'm going to offer my sacrifice. I'm, I'm going to do all these things. Hey, hey, Bucko, you're on the bottom of the sea inside of this thing. And you're not going anywhere. Yeah, you're not dead. We'll give you that. But but okay, my goodness. But my but just it's almost like this is his repentance moment. Yeah. 
before he he smells like fish puke and before he's you know a, a sandy thing on the beach he he's like he's repenting it's like he's turning back to god here yeah and you know yeah we, it's not it's like we got to give him credit it, it's it, totally. it does sound like a foxhole prayer but you know it, i mean a, yeah, a to, foxhole to prayer is better than no prayer <laughs> that's right to, to build on that a little bit joel you can tell from this uh, this prayer, and it could it, it could be a psalm. You know, you could see this mm -hmm. being included in the book of Psalms, and um, you can tell just by reading it that clearly Jonah is a guy who he's he's read his scripture, he's read his Hebrew scripture. If you read um, if you read Psalm sixty nine, let me just read a couple verses of it. This is Psalm Psalm sixty nine one, Psalm of David. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. Mm -hmm. I sink in the miry depths. And there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. I am worn out, calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail, looking for God. And it goes on. And it gets. It gets. You know, it starts off very dark, very somber. It gets more hopeful. But um, the language there is just incredibly similar. I think yeah. the tone is very similar, and you can just tell. Like again, you gotta you gotta give Jonah some credit. This is this is a. Uh, this is a man who knows his his Hebrew scripture. He knows the Psalms of David, most likely, maybe even that one specifically. And it's just such a beautiful and earnest prayer that he makes there in that moment of, of desperation. You know, I'm willing to do the scientific experiment that if we read this passage to people, everybody would tell us it came from a psalm. Totally. You know, we read it and we yeah. told, didn't tell them anything. We just read the actual prayer itself. I think most people would agree that they and they would confuse it for a psalm. And having not read it yeah. recently, I might have even thought it was a psalm. Same, same. So, yeah. I forgot this was here until I reread it. Yeah. Yesterday. Yeah. Make I wonder about verse seven, if it it speaks to his character, and he's saying, you know, when, when my life, how, how's it go again? When my life was fainting away, he's talking about the seaweeds wrapping around his body. Yeah. He, he's soon to be a crispy critter here, but he's almost dead. But when my life is fainting away, I remember the Lord. Gosh, that begs a question. Have you forgotten? Yeah. You choose now to remember the Lord? I mean, yeah, yeah. you kind of remembered him on the boat while the, you know, the, the sea bubbles were rolling, as it were. All he did was sleep on the boat. There's nothing to remember when you're in dreamland. Toss me over. I'm, I'm the reason this happened. And so now he's going to remember God. That's mm -hmm. like, it's just, it just begs the question, had he forgotten? And yeah. I wonder if his chapter two paints a bit of a picture for chapter one. Yeah. Maybe he forgot that who the heck he's dealing with. Yeah. And God's not going to be put off by a Tarshish. That's and right. God's going to chase yeah. your butt down the other side of the Mediterranean. You're not going to run away. I mean, I, have you forgotten who you're dealing with? You could speak a good game to these poly polytheistic dudes. That's the creator of, you know, all the, all the, all the land or whatever. But now he remembers me. He's about to die. And that's yeah. just, that's just kind of, these are his words, not mine. I mean, right. it's, just, mm -hmm. it's painting a picture. Maybe. I don't know, Mick. No, I, I, I totally, I am totally on board with that because that's exactly what's going on. I mean, you know, clearly he, and this is kind of like the thing, it's kind of like selective memory, you know, oh, now you remember God, you know, when you were in the midst of the commandment, you didn't remember when you were in the boat, you know, it was, isn't until you're kind of confronted that you remember, or you're starting to remember, but yeah, no, that's really good stuff. But continuing on the note of, of God is the God of second chances, you know, we're going to go to uh, verses four to five of chapter three now. And it goes, Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, yet 
40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. So, you know, the second chance to preach to Nineveh, Jonah preaches and the people respond. And in verse six, it says that the king got word of, of this message and also repented. And in verse seven, he, he gives this, um, and it's kind of funny because he gives this exaggerated proclamation that even the animals, even the animals, and we're going to have to remember this for chapter four, by the way, mm. even the animals had to, to fast in, in the hopes that God would spare them from this judgment. And by verse 10, God sees their repentance, it says, and, and grants them a stay of execution. And, and, and you think, well, Jonah's got to be happy. I mean, you know, Joel and I always talk about this. You know, Jonah's the only evangelist that has like a 100% success rate. You know, you're talking about, you know, this is the best evangelist prophet of all time. I mean, I don't think even Billy Graham had a hundred cents percent uh, rate of conversions in, in any of his uh, campaigns, you know? So it's like, yeah, right. Best, best evangelist ever. Right. I mean, pound for pound, at least. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, mean pa sure. Paul has him on, Paul has him on numbers, but pound for pound, you can't enjoy Yeah. Jonah hundred percent. I mean, you know, you're, you're talking about like in one setting, man, you know, Paul's was over time. You know, so it's, it's like, you're comparing, uh, uh, you know, uh, Roger Maris's record with, uh, you know, with uh, Babe Ruth, you know, and, and the longevity of their careers or Hank Aaron's and then the longevity of careers. But yeah, I mean, this guy, he got it all done, one and done, kind, of, so to speak, you know. So you're like thinking, yes, yes, yes. You know, you're, you're thinking this, this is something that you can put on your Facebook post as, on a braggometer kind of thing. OK, totally. And then, it, the, and then we get. To, to that famous chapter four and boy let's just get this dive right well, in I, I wanted to point out yeah. man, I'm, I'm holding up a number five uh -huh. five hebrew words I, I just opened it up and did a count his entire message oh yeah five hebrew words that's it and right. he might have been saying it 500 times he's as just so he's just so concise you know i mean i think you guys just, you, you guys just triggered words. you guys just triggered something in my my mind nowhere in there does he ask them to repent yeah, there's, there's, God's there's, judgment. No turn. there's no turn or burn. This is you're gonna this is gonna burn. Yeah. It's yeah, just a it's the, He's giving <laughs> yeah, them the, your, no your instructions on what they need to do. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean it's just yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so it's like he's even being coy in how he's delivering this message. Okay, I'm gonna give the bare minimum, like you said, the five words that I have. You think he was kind of like mumbling and like looking at the ground, uh 40 more days and it'll be, and it'll be overthrown. Well, they never, they never said he took a bath either. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I mean, this, this is amazing when you think about it, you know? Uh, and again, even the animals having to fast, I thought that was like wild, you know, and stuff. And then of course the King's always the last <laughs> one to know, because he, he responds after the people did. But anyways, here we go to chapter four. Really quick, go one more time, Mick. I yeah. just, something kicked my butt and reading it. It's verse five. So it, it goes to what we were saying. So he calls out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And and the people of Nineveh believed God. Yep. Yep. I mean, not it's, believe Jonah. <laughs> it's like they realize, oh crap, this guy is uh, <laughs> the people that we're soon going to conquer and we're harassing <laughs> their God. And yep. it's kind of like in that mummy movie where that little kind of squirrely guy gets caught by by. Um, Imhotep, and he starts Benny. going through languages, and one of the languages is Hebrew, <laughs> and he goes, oh, the language of the slaves. It's like, mm -hmm. 
I mean, okay. So it's like Jonah speaks those five words. And especially in the ministry, we're worried about how do people respond to our ministry? No, no, forget that. The people believed God. It's mm-hmm. like they, they heard God speaking, even though Jonah was speaking. And and that, that kind of speaks to us because, you know. Even, we and even God though speaking. Jonah held back on the message. Right? We open up the Bible and God speaks. I mean, do you think the Ninevites were like, well, the, the prophet himself is kind of lame, kind of lackluster, but I believe what he's, I believe his God. Right. So, heck with this guy, but I believe what his God's saying. We got that's I like think what it's, it's a testament to God's reputation having gone far and wide. Yeah. You know, they, they knew about God, you know, they knew about That's true. God. words about the Hebrews. God yeah. has had gone far and wide, you know? Yep. All right. So yeah. I, you can press that's, on pause. I no, that's you so good. Twice, that's man. so good, Joel. It's like the Bible's full of all these inspiring stories about how like the, you know, the heroes, the human heroes, they, they did their best and they they tried really hard, but like in the end, it was God who really had to come through and save the day. And yeah. here, this is like a comical, like twisted version of that where you have this pathetic kind of hero, anti-hero, I don't know, who's like trying to mess things up and like doing everything in his power to make sure the mission doesn't, doesn't succeed. And it's like, nope, doesn't matter. God is still in control and the mission is going to succeed beyond your imagination beyond yeah. you know like you're saying nick 100 success rate so it doesn't matter how hard you try to mess up my plans yep awesome. uh, it really is good and now third time's a charm chapter four so here it goes and it starts off but it displeased jonah exceedingly oh. and he was angry and he prayed to the lord and said oh lord is not this what i said when i was yet in my country That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and a merciful God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please just take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And I'm going to put in parentheses as the guy known for for having delivered the Ninevites. Like he did not want to be known for that. So Jonah is like full on display here, man. It is full on display. I did not want to be known as the guy who saved them people. I told Uh, you, God. I told you, God. Now the kids are going to be fun of me. I told you you were going to forgive them. Darn it, God. Why'd you have to be so (laughs) gracious and merciful and loving? Why'd you have to be so hesed? All the worst attributes of God. Oh, God, you know, and it's clear that Jonah's disobedience in chapter one was not related to ignorance, but willful rebellion. I mean, again, yeah. it's a 180. He's saying it. He knows who God is, and he's admitting that he knew this in the beginning. A 180 against God's revealed will, you know, and, and, and at the same time, he demonstrates that, that, that he knows God's grace. He understood. He said God, that you're gracious, your mercy. You're patient and you're loving. And, and again, lest, lest we think that he was being selfless earlier when he told the pagans to throw him over in chapter one, we see that his death, which was, was really motivated by the exact opposite, uh, anger, bitterness, resentment, and hatred, not, not love for them or others. I mean, th- this is very unbecoming of a man of God. You know, and- um, Very much so. Yeah, I mean, are, are we- people of God 
are, are we struggling with tensions like these? Are we like Jonah, who on the one hand, we acknowledge God, we acknowledge uh, his sovereignty like he did in chapter two, and, and then we affirm that God is gracious, merciful, patient, loving, like, like right here in, in verse two. And yet on the other hand, we, 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 he, here he finds himself deliberately disobeying God and probably going around being, being hateful. And, and, and I don't know about you, but Jonah's story really gets me reflecting on me because I know who I am. I have never been accused of being Mr. Nice Guy, and that is, is concerning. You know, and, I, and when I look at Jonah, I see, I see a mirror of, of what I can be like, you know? And yet again, in verse 4, God says to him, do you, do you do well to be angry? Or as God puts it in James 1.20, for man's anger does not bring about the righteousness that God desires. You know, and Joel knows this because he's he's worked with me a bit longer and he knows how I've struggled with with anger issues. You know, and it's one of those things where I've I've I don't know about you, listener, but I, I've tried to justify my anger so many times. So yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah it's it's fun to uh it's fun to make fun of Jonah, isn't it? But you yeah. you have to acknowledge at the same time. He's, yeah. he's us, and uh, and this wouldn't be in the Bible if that were not the case. Yeah, if the author weren't trying to get us to, yeah, think hard. Do we do we really have a heart that wants to see souls saved and that really delights in that and takes joy in that, even when it comes at the cost of? Okay, God's family is very big, and it includes a lot of people who maybe I would rather not see there. You know, doesn't matter. God yeah. wants them there. God wants to extend his love to everyone just as just as I don't deserve it. You know, that person that I I don't want to see receive God's love, they don't deserve it either. And, yeah. and but but that makes us that makes us equal. We we deserve it or we don't deserve it the the same amount. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of good stuff here, man. And you know, we we know obviously the answer to to the question God asked Jonah is no, or at least I know that answer is no, but you and, know? And, and just man just so so brazen is it right for you to be angry about uh, about that or about the plant yes it is i'm so angry i wish i were dead man oh my goodness i mean the the, the crassness of jonah here i yeah. mean just look at what he uses against god here he literally tosses at god exodus 34 Mm. where god proclaims to moses moses got done cutting out the tablets got cut out again and we learn you know this is who god is the lord passed by Joe, moses he passed by him the lord the lord a god merciful and gracious slow to anger abounding in his steadfast love or chesed and faithfulness i mean keeping that faithfulness for generations and and then again later on in exodus where moses is like show me your glory yeah, God reminds him, I'm going to have mercy on whom I want to have mercy and, and, and compassion on whom I'm going to have compassion. Now, Jonah, being a prophet of God, obviously knows what Moses said in the Torah. Mm -hmm. He's tossing this at God in freaking sarcasm. Yep. I knew you were going to be this way, God. Like this is Moses's finest moment theologically in terms of what he offered. I mean, and mm -hmm. all of a sudden, he he's just using this as exhibit A to feel bitter against God, to justify his his crap with God. 
Yeah. Oh my goodness. I mean, not only do we hear the smallest violin playing in the background, but, but man, Jonah, my, oh my goodness. I mean, I thought when I led last week with be bitter and bitter Naomi, I thought that was the, <laughs> but now, now I, I just need to die because it's better that I die than I live with an Ninevites being saved. Yeah. So I would rather just die than have that happen because you're a graceful guy. Oh yeah. It's better that I just not obey you because I don't, I don't want you to be God anymore. You're only God. If you fit my version of God. Yep. It's like bitterness. Thy name is Jonah. <laughs> yeah. Contrast that to, um, to Abraham in Genesis uh, 18, 19. Mm -hmm. um, not that Abraham was a, had it all figured out by any means, but, but that's one, one area where he definitely shines and, and just, yeah, contrast the, their, their attitudes there. God prepared to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, which as we know, obviously isn't what ended up happening. You know, they, they weren't, um, they weren't spared the way that um, Nineveh was, but Abraham pleading for them. What if I can find this many people? Oh, mm -hmm. not this many people. You're right. I probably won't find that many, but what if I can find this many? Will you, will you spare them? It's like complete, yeah, complete opposite here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's really great stuff, man. So, yeah. So let me, so what happens is Jonah goes on, uh, he goes out of the city and he constructs, he constructs this, uh, this makeshift kind of Ikea cheap canopy that, that just isn't cutting it against the Middle Eastern midday sun. So God creates this plan on the spot to provide Jonah with a shade and Jonah, interestingly enough, this is like the happiest we see Jonah in the entire book. Jonah's actually appreciative and he's grateful for this plant that is giving him shade. But the funny thing is that the next day, God decides to, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess with Jonah a little bit. I'm going to provide a worm. I'm going to get rid of this plant. You know, it's going to wither. And so the next day, God withers this plant. And, and this time, now Jonah's got no protection from the sun. And, and we pick up the story again, kids, in verse 8. And he, Jonah, asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. And I have to stop and say, classic Jonah. In verse 9, but God said to Jonah, do you do well, again, to be angry and now for the plant? And again, Jonah said, yes, I do well to be angry angry enough to die and the lord said you pity the plant for which you did not labor nor did you make it grow which came into being in a night and perished in the night and should i not should not i pity nineveh that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left hand and also much cattle. And I'm like, and that's how the book ends. And I'm like, wow, what a back and forth between God and Jonah. Like earlier when God questions Jonah, what God is really trying to do, he's trying to get Jonah to think through what, 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 what's going on. He wants him to think about the absurdity. And I'm, I'm going to use the word that I would use on myself, the stupidity of what he, Jonah, is saying and thinking. God challenges our inconsistencies because that's that's we, what we struggle with. We struggle with inconsistencies. On the one hand, we say we recognize God and, and, and the sovereignty of God, and yet we live in, sometimes in in one eighty style disobediences against Him. You know, um, forget about the pagan mariners of chapter one and the Ninevites. You know, Jonah, the prophet, the man of God, 
we're Christians and, and we're, we're, we're the people of God nowadays. We're the children of God, as it says in John 1, 12. On the one hand, we recognize God as gracious. We recognize him as merciful, patient, and loving. And yet, how careful and, cons and consistent are we being towards those who oppose us? Think of anything along anybody that disagrees with you politically and how, how you feel, think, and react to them. You know, what happened to love thy neighbor? What happens to, to love thy enemy? Yeah, Jesus said it. He went there. And, and, or, or even worse, when he asked us, pray for those who persecute you. You know? And we, we see Jonah's angry reply about him having the right to be angry about the plant dying. And we're, we're like, oh, Jonah, what are you doing? But, but are we maybe not doing the same thing ourselves? Caring more for, like Jonah, things? circumstances situations more than people i mean angry enough to die was jonah really listening to himself as he said this i mean did he stop and listen to himself i mean i, I find like this is like the kind of thing like when my kids say these kinds of hyperbolic tantrum kind of things i'm mm -hmm. like you're really saying this are you listening to yourself <laughs> you know i mean his his life because of a plants i mean seriously what what th what this shows to me is that Jonah clearly had a wrong concept as to the meaning of life, that all lives matter to God, um, especially lives made in His image. You know, Jonah mm. was not 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 trying to be a, a a man of God. He wasn't not trying to be a man of God. And in in, in one nine, he he identifies himself as a Hebrew and proudly, you know, as as one of God's people. No, no, Jonah's rebellion didn't stem. From, Stem more out from allowing emotions to lead rather than God. He knew the truth of God's sovereignty. He's he's constantly dropping it, you know, in, in, in this book. You know, he knows about God's sovereignty, grace, love, and mercy. And, and yet he allows for his prejudice fueled by his emotions to take over. And, and how many times do we not buckle to our emotions rather than the truth that God has made known to us? You know, truths about him, truths about the value of human lives truths about his revealed will as is expressed in the bible you know and, and and really truths about love for all you know i'd like to think that jonah actually learned the way this book ends it's kind of like did, did jonah get it or not i mean did jonah finally get the memo or or did he continue being the way he did you know we, we noticed that jesus talks positive about him in, in the new testament so that's kind of a little bit of a little ray of sunshine there and the other ray of sunshine is that we know the grace of God. You know, that said, seeing as, as, as to how much I, like the Mariners and like the Ninevites, benefited from Jonah, you know, I'm grateful for, for Jonah's life, you know, because um, I do believe that, that God is still changing my, my own heart towards, the, towards others as well. I mean, again, people that get under your craw, you know, people who disagree with you philosophically, politically, you know. Uh, or, or in just any area, you'd be surprised the things that we get all up in the tiff. A plant, our, our, what is our plant? Would be my question, I guess. What is that plant that we get all upset in that we want yeah. to die for? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And of course, and God saves the cows. That that's like the last Gotta thing. Let's yeah. not forget the cows. Yeah, man, you make some some really good points there, Mick. Um, it it seems like uh, it seems like the point of the story is not um, Jonah's like a. It's not to give a complete 
start to finish yeah story arc for jonah you know this complete redemptive storyline with all of the trappings and and a decisive ending whether that's and he received you know just judgment for everything that he did wrong or he was redeemed and he turned it his you know he got his act together and turned it all around and the lord you know blessed him you know we don't get that it's just such that it's such an abrupt ending there without yeah. really seeing where it goes how he ends um in terms of his attitude and whatnot and uh, and i wonder i'm kind of wondering if that is an intentional way of pointing out okay that's not the point of the story the point the point of the story is just to give the give us believers this kind of mirror to be like look jonah's jonah's chosen by god and i I know i feel kind of weird like making a a judgment on this but like i think that i think that jonah's saved i think we'll meet him in heaven i think that like god picked him and god god used him the point is god can pick people and use people who are absolutely insufferable people and this is to make us really think deep about the way that we are the way that we god's children act in this yeah. world in relationship to god in relation to the world and in relation to other people it's not well well i need to be careful to not be like jonah i'm not going to be saved or something like that but like it's like no no just just think about yeah. your attitude and your actions you know given that god has god has picked you what is that how does that inform your identity and the way that yeah. you act and function in this world does that make sense yeah yeah big rev I've been following kind of in the back of my mind, God's grace in Jonah and they all, God's grace seems to be, seems to be connected with three miracles. And I, I was just sarcastically wondering how many miracles did this Jonah get to witness? Mm. My goodness. And yeah. the, the first bit of grace is tied to the miracle of new, of, of new life in the face of death from the bottom mm. of the sea. Yeah. And Jonah was given grace. You know, what did he deserve? He was given mercy too, but, but then he was given what he didn't deserve, which was to be vomited out in new life. Okay, now, he, now, now Jonah gets grace tied to a miracle. And then in the final chapter, Jonah gets another miracle because we're assuming God didn't plant Jack in the beanstalk beans because this is a plant growing in, in the span of a day that can shelter a man from the heat. I mean, those are some serious leaves. Yeah. I used to grow the little, you know, green bean project in school. You know, you grow the bean and it shoots up out of the cup, you know, okay. And it takes a few weeks or whatever, but this is in a day. So Jonah gets to witness grace again. Now God given to him shelter from the, 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 the scorching heat with a miracle. And then God ties all of that to a miracle he did with the Ninevites against all human odds. They believed God. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole idea of which comes first regeneration or faith. Well, yeah. God is clearly making this happen in Nineveh. Like yeah. they're the ones who are going to respond to him to a five word sermon. And they respond. There's a miracle coming through Jonah by God. And God's choosing with that miracle to give Nineveh grace. And Jonah, you're going to complain about that. Right. It's like, you, you, you're not going to let me, you're, you're going to take the grace when I give you the plant, but you're not going to let me give grace to the, because you're not deserving Jonah. You weren't deserving in the whale. You weren't deserving on the, on the, here on the field or whatever it is outside the city and you're not deserving of any of the grace grace is never deserved so Nineveh doesn't deserve their grace either and they get that miracle that God's going to work tied to his grace they don't deserve it and you're going to complain about them not deserving it well you don't deserve it bucko 
And I just see three, I just see three miracles here and they're all tied to God's grace. Yeah. And, and Jonah wants to argue about being angry. Yeah. We don't ever deserve grace. The moment you can deserve it. I think Jonah feels like I deserve this vine. I deserve this. I'm, I'm your guy, God. I deserve you doing right to me. And yeah. you never deserve grace. It's not grace anymore. Whether you're the undeserving, it's always given to the undeserving. Whether you're uh, the enemies of God's people or you're just the enemy of God, as in you, the sinner yeah. that you and I are before Christ. It's <laughs> we. You know, and I think it's great that you pointed out that Jonah received grace twice in this book. Woo. You know, and and I, and I think it's just so it highlights something very important. I think that we as believers need to also see that sometimes we as grace recipients we don't fully appreciate the grace we've received. And when we don't fully appreciate the grace we've received, we have a hard time extending it to, to others. Mm. You know? And I thought that was very, 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 uh, yeah. Wow. Good call, Nick. This is great, man. Good choice. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, there's so much more I'm sure we can, but we only have uh, so so little time. Granted, we're not sponsored by anybody, so we can make these podcasts as long as we want to, but we choose not to. Yeah. We exercise restraint. <laughs> and because where we encourage people to be readers themselves. That's if right. you take the time to look at this stuff, you, you can find stuff there. I mean, it's amazing. This spoke differently to me than it had at other times. I never questioned about Jonah being kind of a shady character before. I just thought he was a curmudgeon. But now I'm starting to see more about it. And I'm like, wow, now I'm going to look at myself again. And it's a great mirror that scripture gives us to, yeah. to, to learn. And, th and the idea is so that we can learn how to extend this grace to other people. Wow. Yeah. You know, Mick, the Lord giveth shade and the Lord throweth shade. <laughs> I didn't know that was in the Bible until tonight. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, thank you, Professor D. You led us through Jonah tonight, and uh, we will conclude our three-week journey with the Bible character uh, next week with the Crock-Pot, and you, you can, you're welcome to share who that person is going to be, or you can make us wait. It's all good. Sure. I'll give a, I'll give a, a sneak peek, a quick pitch for next week. Next week, we're <laughs> discussing Aaron. That's right. Folks, the first high priest of Israel, wow. brother of Moses, and proud son of two Hebrew people who I can't remember <laughs> at the moment. And also a person of, uh, of questionable choices at times who God still chose to do his, to do great things. Yep. So it's going to be fun. That's awesome. We look forward to next week with the crockpot with his angelic voice gets to lead us through this. As always, this is the Masterclass Theology from the Book of Jonah tonight. Thank you, Professor D. I'm Big Rev. I'm Professor D. And I'm Crockpot. We'll see you next week. God bless. See you next week. Amen. This has been Masterclass Theology. I pray you've been challenged and encouraged during today's episode. And I hope you'll continue to join us as we journey through the Bible. God bless.